I could read fairly quickly. I couldn't keep up with Miss, though. Man, she talks like, you know, a mile a minute with guests up to two. It's incredible and does a great job, enunciates so well and does, man, we're just, it's fun. You do an excellent job. Thank you so much for that. A couple things before we get started. We had a surprise here this morning, really, really super fun surprise for me. We had a young lady travel from Wisconsin to be here. Not that she's going to turn her colors, but we have an Angelica. It's good to see you back. She's one of our young adult ladies that was here. She came to us via Northwestern a few years ago, and she's back working in Wisconsin now, so it's always a pleasure to see her when she gets to meet us, be here with us, and we enjoy her company, and uh, she's just a real light for the Lord, so we're just thankful you're here, kiddo. Also, yeah, give it up. There you go. Also, <clears throat> just wanted to give an update. We haven't done this for a few weeks, and I want you to just kind of know where we're at with uh, getting Ross and Anchin and Amika here. Same place we were a few weeks ago. That's the update. So we are moving at the speed of our government capabilities. And uh, so right now, everything that we need to do on our end is done and has been done. And so we're waiting for a physical site visit. So when that gets completed here, we can't schedule that. They tell us, possibly don't tell us, they possibly just show up unannounced and do that here. So we're looking for that. So keep praying for Ross and Anch. And we're, we're staying encouraged. They're being encouraged. And one of the things that was really fun, and uh, we talked about the slice of summer, the little pizza party we were doing every other week here for the last month and a half. Ross has been uh, joining us in leading the kids in a time of teaching and training. So it's been really, really fun to do a Zoom call with Ross. It's noon here. It's supper time at his place. And, and uh, so he's enjoying something to eat while we're having pizza with the kids here. So it's been really, really fun. And we appreciate his servant's heart and that attitude to take that time out and prepare for our kids and to do that. So we're just really excited and anticipating him finally being here with his family. So we'll keep praying for that. That's one of the things that will be on the docket on that prayer night coming up in September. So we're really, really very excited that um, that's coming to fruition. But we knew this could take a while. So we're not surprised, all right? So we're not disheartened. We're just waiting with great anticipation, and it's only going to make it more joyous when he finally gets here, right? So we're excited for that. So this morning, if you want to take your Bibles, and we're going to go right back to 1 Peter 3.15, which is where we were a couple weeks ago. We want to just kind of finish up. I got into, uh, we talked a little bit about getting off the deck. We used the illustration. We kind of tied some things together with the movie Top Gun Maverick, which is out, and it's hot. And since then, I've actually had more people come up to me and say, hey, I went to see the movie. And they did a great job telling it. I was just talking with some of the kids this morning, and it was really, really fun to hear their feedback. And um, I know <laughs> when we see what's going on today technologically, it's unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. But people who are the founders, people who started certain things, they, don't, they didn't have all the amenities. They just went for it with what they had. And, uh, you know, the next thing I want to talk about is getting into the dogfight, and we take it with this immeasurable hope. That's what we go to our dogfight with, and we're going to talk about the dogfight, who's in it, and what we're doing, but um, let's just uh, pray first, and then we'll read, read a verse from the Lord's Word. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to come this morning, and we look forward to an exciting morning of getting into your Word, and Lord, we just, we need you to speak to us, so that's why we're here, and uh, we just want to fill our tanks, and we get to do it corporately, which is just a fantastic thing. And so we just pray for those who are traveling right now, getting much-needed vacations and rest and time with family off and just recuperating that way. 
uh, just pray that they would return to us safely. We thank you and ask you to bless them in their journey right now. And we look forward to getting back together again next Sunday. But for today, Father, we just thank you for what's in front of us. And we just ask that you would open our hearts and minds <clears throat> as your word goes forward. And we pray these in Christ's name. Amen. So 1 Peter 13, excuse me, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, and it's kind of the B section. So it's after that first, first piece we talked about most last, more last week. We're honoring Christ with our hearts. It says this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So <clears throat> when dogfighting first hit the airways of combat back in World War I, then it, it, it's continually evolved since then. So we see the movie today, and we know that uh, the pilot has this incredible training and tactics and tricks and all these different things, but he has uh, a incredible firepower with guns and also other bombs and such that he can drop, right? And missiles that are smart missiles and seek, I mean, it's just incredible what we've got. But dogfighting back in the day was this. Two guys in a plane getting as close as they could as their enemy and they would literally throw bricks at them. Can you imagine that, throwing bricks at your enemy in the air? That's how you're trying to hit your enemy. The other thing they would do is they would just throw large pieces of rope, hoping that it would do what? Back then, the plane said propellers, right? So you're hoping that that would get caught in the propeller and would take your enemy down. Just incredible stuff, and it evolved over time where they started carrying guns, and then they tried to mount guns, and some people shot their propellers off the front of their planes and crashed that way, so they figured out how to time it. I mean, it's just continually evolved. It's, it's, it's continually growing. And the ability to be in the dogfight has become more sophisticated. And yet, at the same time, back in Vietnam, they also realized, hey, we've got a problem here. And the problem is, is that we're relying too much on our firepower and not enough on our tactics. And people were being taken out in greater numbers. So it used to be enemy combatants, or excuse me, yeah, we, we, the U.S. had some air superiority. And for every one plane of ours that got shot down, they would shoot 13 of the enemy planes down. And in Vietnam, it came to one to three. So that's when they introduced the school of Top Gun, what we call Top Gun. And so they had this incredible thing come about, and they went back into teaching the training and the tactics and the techniques of dogfighting. And again, you know what? That jumped right back up to 13 to 1. So it was invaluable what they had. So they had all this firepower, but now they had to know how to use it, and they had to combine that with other maneuvers in order to accomplish the same things they'd had in the past. So, so it's really an incredible thing. Now, when we look at this, and we're talking about this immeasurable hope that's in us, I want to think, put this out there in kind of the same way for us. We need to be... We've got all the firepower we need. God's word is right here. But we need to be able to use it, right? We need to be able to go for it. And so the reason for our hope, number one, is this. Our first piece of firepower is this, the deity of Jesus. Jesus Christ is the resurrected Lord, King, God Almighty, right? That's who he is. In several passages in the scripture, we'll go to John 10, 36, uh, it says this, Do you say whom the Father consecrated and sent into the world? You are blaspheming because I said, I am the Son of God? If I am not doing the works of my Father, then don't believe me. Here he's arguing with the religious people, the religious intelligentsia, right? He's dealing with the big guys. And he's saying, hey, listen, 
if my works don't line up with what God does and you know what he does, then don't believe me. But if it does, then what? Believe me. So Jesus himself claimed to be God. The second thing was this. Jesus, excuse me, God said that Jesus was God. So if you go to Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we're going to jump around quite a bit this morning, so I don't want to rush too fast if you want to follow by looking it up. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So Jesus claimed it, and then he had God the Father claiming it for him as well. It's one thing to say something about yourself. It's another thing to have people start backing you up, right? Well, there's more to this. If you go to Mark chapter 1, verse 24, it says, says, What do you have to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Who was talking to him? This is a demon that was talking to Jesus. Jesus was actually teaching in the synagogue when he was there. A man that was possessed by a demon came up to him, and the demon was speaking to Jesus, and Jesus was going to kick him out. But he also exhibits what? Right? He has the power to kick this, this demon out. The demon knew who he was, and he understood the power that Jesus had. So, the following one, Jesus has the attributes of God. Jesus, to the king of the, excuse me, to the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Okay? Now, this is to Timothy. Paul wrote over half the New Testament. He writes to Timothy. Timothy was his faithful servant. Timothy eventually was the leader of the church in Ephesus for many years and was killed, right? He was tricked into going out in public for a parade to be recognized, and they killed him right there in the streets. So these were, these were hardened guys, these guys that knew the word of God. These guys knew about their relationship with God. These guys were not intimidated by other people. But w- why were they so? The reason they acted so, the reason they thought so, the reason they said so was this. They understood this. Jesus is the king over everything and everyone. Immortal, invisible, right? So it's not just what we saw him doing here on earth. It's not just when he had this earth suit on that he put on for our benefit so we could see him, so he could go through life like we did, so he could endure the things in life that we have and still have, right? This was so that we know that beyond that, He came from heaven into earth and went back. So he is the king. So uh, in in Psalm 146.8, this is just a small snippet, but this verse says this, The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And it goes on. It's not a super long psalm, but if you want to read that, that thing is just packed, packed. But I just want to talk about this. Jesus healed the blind. Right? Remember a couple weeks ago, well, a few weeks ago now when Pastor Brad was speaking and he talked about the paralytic that was healed. And he was confronted again by the religious people of that day. Not the people of faith, the religious people of that day. And they challenged him. He said, what's easier? For me to say, take up your bed and walk? Or for me to see you say your sins are forgiven? Jesus did both. We could trust him. This is true. God's word is real. It's alive. It's powerful. In Matthew 21, 16 and 17, people worship God. Or Jesus says God. And they said to him, 
Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. Again, children, I talked about it. This message made sense to me when I was nine. Children can understand this. Why? Because they aren't in their own way yet. See, we grew up and become adults, and the average person gets saved by the time we're around 14 or 15. After that, the number of people getting saved drops way down. Why is it? Because we think we're smart. We think we know. We think we got it. You don't got it. We got nothing. Right? We're just thankful that we can bump along. We can scratch out our existence in life, right? So many of us live there. Well, God doesn't want you to live there. He just wants you to understand this and come to the knowledge of it and make it your own. So the word of God is true. It's been battle-tested. People have come against it. There is so much physical evidence for it, as well as just the logic. And you think and you look at this, you go, hey, this makes complete sense to me. Right, but the second thing, the second point is this. There's a radicalness in hope. It's radical. So we have to defend our position. And the first thing that the scripture talks to us about is doing what? Always be ready to give what? A defense, an answer. And that could be considered, in that word, it can be considered formal or informal. Right? Jesus is in the synagogue. It's formal. Jesus is outside the, outside the synagogue. It's more casual. Right? It's more personal. But both are needed and both work. And we should be able to explain both as believers to those people who come and have a question of us. It's an important, important thing. But the most important thing about it is tell, us, tell people about the hope that's in you. Not the, not the hope that Paul had. Not the hope that Timothy had. Not the hope that the 12 disciples had. Tell them about your hope. See, we don't just believe in Jesus what is it? We know him personally. Isn't that awesome? That's an amazing thing. The immortal, invisible king, we know him personally. Wow. What an incredible opportunity. This is not the era of respect. Can, can anybody agree with me on that? This is not the era of respect. We have so much disrespect running through our society, it's just rampant. People are just getting steamrolled constantly. And we have the opportunity to go out and say, hey, you know what? I want to talk to you about something different. I'm not trying to sell you something that you need. I want to tell you something about what I have. I want you to have it too. What a great invitation. Isn't that amazing? And you think about, as you're out there talking to people, I had a, had a funny, it's just so much fun. I had a fun, fun call um, you know, we get people that register and want uh, to talk at the office. So I called a gentleman on Monday night. And uh, we, it didn't take long into our conversation to realize he thought he was contacting a church down the street from his house that he didn't know about. He's calling me from West Virginia. <laughs> so we talked. And man, his life, life had just kicked the daylights out of him. He was missing his dad who had passed. His week or so before that, uh, this conversation, his brother unexpectedly passed away of a heart attack. His wife was up in Michigan dealing with her mom who was in a bad, bad situation medically. I mean, life was rough. 
And he was looking for a place. He was looking for a church to land. And so he contacts us, and we had a fantastic conversation. We had a fantastic prayer time together. We're going to continue to talk. And he was telling me that he and his wife next year are planning to do kind of an across-the-country the, uh, tour. If that all happens, we'll see him here, because I invited him to come stay at our house. Uh, sorry, hon, didn't let you know that in advance. We're, we're going to have visitors from West Virginia that we've never met before. But we're going to be happy to have them, right? We're going to be happy to have them. Why? Because this guy knew he needed Jesus. For some reason, God had him call me. And I just said to him, listen, this is not an accident. This is a divine appointment. You and I are supposed to have this conversation. You didn't intentionally set this up. I was completely unaware of it. God just threw us together. But here's the thing. We know exactly what we need to talk about. Jesus could take care of you. Not just through these situations now, but for eternity. What an incredible opportunity and a privilege. You know, um, I was talking to Connor before uh, service this morning. I love to fish. Fishing is great. Right? But fishing for men is the important thing. When I lived in Alabama, I had a fishing boat. I named it Visitation. So if anybody asks where, where Grant's at, he goes, he's out on visitation, right? <laughs> and, and it was uh, true. It's a true story. I've actually told you. But I could count on one hand the number of times I was in that boat by myself. There's always someone with me. Man, I went and took uh, Lindsay, uh, Zach, and Isabel, two of our other young adult gals. We went fishing. Isabel's never fished before. And she caught, the, I mean, she caught some really pretty bait that little thing was so small. Now, this is the thing that's different. When I went fishing with these two ladies, it was a completely new fishing experience for me because when we fish as guys, what do we fish for? The monster, the trophy, right? The contest was, my fish is cuter than your fish. <laughs> but they had a great time. We just took them there. We experienced this together, and they got out of it what they needed. I just had the ability Right? I had the equipment. I was prepared. They didn't know what on earth to do. And we just got after it, and they had success. And that's what God has given us, this great opportunity. The most important thing is your story is so important, and the people you talk to, I don't. The people you talk to, no one else in this church has contact with. You're the most important person that God has on the front line. He needs you to tell your story. Do you know how to tell it well? Do you know how to tell it according to his word? Do you know how to share the truth of eternity, the gift of salvation? Can you do that effectively with someone? I think you can. I really do. <clears throat> the second thing is this. The defense of my position is objective. Um, do we have a picture of that aircraft carrier up there? Can we put that up, guys? Yeah. So I got, had this picture up there, and everybody goes, oh, that was such a cool picture. Put it up again. So I said, okay, sounds good. And you know the thing that's really amazing? I just can't figure out how this happens. But do you realize that some people think those aircraft carriers just simply evolved? They put themselves together. Right? Don't tell me my faith isn't reasonable, isn't rational, isn't logical. You can tell me it's radical. Because I'm going to tell you what, just like that boat, I'm, I guess I should do this way, 
just like that boat had a designer, many designers, right, to make that come together, we have a designer that made everything else come together. Everything. And when, Jesus, when, when the Bible tells us in Genesis 1 that God created, he did it. See, the thing that people trip themselves up with and the thing that they have in their way is their own limited intelligence. I'm not saying people aren't intelligent. I'm just saying it's limited. We have these barriers that we put up in front of ourselves and we can't get past them. We trip and we fall over them. God created. Scientists agree. Matter is not eternal. So where'd it come from? Now, the big challenge to the Big Bang Theory, which has been the big theory for the last several decades, which wasn't the theory before this, is not the first theory on the origin of everything, right? But this is the one that's been in our lifetimes for most of us. You know, I, you know what else? I'm going to rabbit trail here for a second. You know what I was thinking about? When 9-11 happened, and I got thinking, how many people were not born yet in nine, when 9-11 happened? Right? Okay, everybody here. Everybody here is good. So you all have heard about it, even if you were little at the time. But one of the things that was really cool is when that happened, I mean, it was, it rocked us, didn't it? Over 3,000 people lost their lives that day to terrorists. But the thing that happened, do you guys remember this? Back and forth and back and forth, from border to border in our state, we had these fighter pilots flying protecting. They were up in the air. They could get to trouble faster than us, and they could do more damage than us, right? Me as an individual citizen, I felt safe. I felt secure. Did I know the bad was on the doorstep? Yeah, it actually was. It broke my heart. The senselessness of it, right? This world we live in is absolutely chaos, but they need, the world needs us. They need you and I to be in the dogfight now I'm going to see if I can get back on track of where I was at. All right, here we go. So we're on the aircraft carrier. It didn't build itself. This, this universe, existence, didn't build itself. God put it together. If matter is not, if, if matter is not eternal, what is? Something outside of matter had to create it. And you can talk to scientists on different fronts, and they will tell you that you can't solve the problem from the bottom up. It has to come from the top down. There has to be something outside of existence that created existence that's not dictated to by, existent, by existence. The agent or agency of creation is not dictated to by the mechanisms or the laws of it. It creates those things. So logic just simply tells us there is a divine creator and no one, nowhere, in any amount of time has explained anything like our Bible does. We have the truth. Is it hard? Yeah. You know why? Because that all of a sudden does what? It introduces the concept of miracles, things that happen supernaturally outside of the natural realm. There's a certain gentleman, um, he's known as the science guy. And I saw him, he was talking with, and it was, it's really interesting when you watch some things here. But he was, the second day the ark was open, and there we have people from our church at the ark display right now down in Kentucky. But um, the second day it was open, Bill Nye, the science guy, went to visit, and he was there with Ken Ham. And they went through and they were talking about several different things. And he was talking to a group of students and, and parents, mostly students. 
And they were talking about how things, how life evolved that earth, how, where it came from. And, he, and Bill and I said, we know, we know, three billion years ago, there was a huge impact of some kind on Mars. And part of Mars splintered off, and through the orbital cycles, part of that rock was projected over and landed on Earth. And as a result, we had microorganisms from there that seeded Earth, and so we are descendants of Martians. And he believes that with his whole heart. And Ken Ham said, so what would you say if people told you that there is a supernatural creator that created instead of this rock fragment from Mars? He said, I, I would say they're not thinking. They're not using their brains. We are up against, in this battle with the Lord, unbelievable spiritual forces that have blinded the eyes and hardened the hearts of the people that you and I work with, live with, walk down the street with, right, every day. And this is where they're at. And we need to be the kind of people that take them beyond that. We have a reasonable faith. We have this unbelievable opportunity to talk about them about this, the regeneration in hope. Becoming something that you're not. We are all born dead in our trespasses in sin. But the hope that we have is through Jesus Christ, we can be born again. We can be regenerated. We can be made new. We can be made alive when we were dead. It's not about being a bad person who becomes a good person. It's about being a dead person who is now alive, and not just for now, but for eternity. So we, take, we speak to other people. These are some of the things that should be indicative of our conversation. I'm enthusiastic. I have this sense of great joy. Every day I wake up, pop out of bed, and off we go. Why? Because I know I'm called. And I have this incredible understanding by a God that shows me the power of my salvation every day. But I also know this. I am called into the purpose that he has going on to play an active role in it. What a great privilege. Tom Ward was talking about it. Do you think he's fired up about people that see people come to Christ? Yeah, right? Bill, do you guys remember back in the spring, Bill Abel here was, camp, was, was here from Camp Lebanon? We are fired up about eternity. It is so much better than what we're going I love what's going on now. This world is unbelievable. The age in which we live in, we have every convenience possible, which is part of the problem, right? But what a great time to live in so many ways. And yet there is chaos running amok in the streets because the hearts and minds of people do not know that joy, do not have that salvation and the understanding that they are called and they have a purpose in their life that's not just bigger than them, it's bigger than all of time. And God's going to trust you to be part of it. You know why I could trust you to be part of it? Because he empowers you to accomplish what you couldn't do on your own. And then you know what else is really awesome? He gives you credit for it. Right? Everybody that's a parent understood what I just said. Because we've done that with our kids. So if you want to watch how God works, you watch someone parent their kid. It's the same thing. Oh, little Johnny, 
Look at that. You're feeding yourself. They have spaghetti in their hair. They, they have it all over. It's everywhere. And some of it got in their mouth, and they did it themselves. Now, when they hit two, and it's not just the terrible twos. It starts at two. But when they get two, then they start telling you no, and then I do it myself, right? So you have that little bit of attitude come in. But, but you see what I'm saying? No, it's the, po- the, the parenting is something that's not unique to us. But we have to understand, this is not an impersonal force that we call God. This is a loving creator that says, hey, you're my child, and I'm going to grow you up through this. Let me do it. We're going to call that sanctification. Because you no longer are a servant to sin. I'm going to give you the power to, talk, to walk away from your past so it no longer has control on you. Okay, the second thing. We need to talk gently with people and show respect. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but when I asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior... It was a very humbling time. And you may have been older, and this may make sense to you in a different light, but I knew this. I was beyond my own ability to solve my problem. And a loving God said, hey, Grant, I'm going to solve this for you. I'm going to make you my son. See, Satan and his minions, they're doing what? They're trying to humiliate you. They're trying to sh- destroy you. They're rocking, walking around in Ephesians says, says, what? A raging lion. They want to wipe you out spiritually. God says, hey, when you're talking to somebody about me, be gentle. You know what it is to be humble before me. When you accepted me, you knew. Right? You get to see yourself before, creator, before the creator and you understand this. God loves me like no one. Not my spouse, not my kids, not my parents. He loves me like no one else can or ever will. Incredible. We get that kind of comfort. It's pretty easy to speak gently to someone who's hurting. And if you're not saved, you're hurting. You may see a lot of teeth, right? Right? You may see some venom. But if you're gentle, you won't see elbows and heels. Right? That's the most important thing. And then respect. This world, we talked about just briefly earlier, is such a lack of respect in it. There's such a lack. Satan's ploy over these last few years has been to try and drive as many wedges and fracture us as much as possible in this world not just America, but in this world, from one another to create rifts and suspicion and all kinds of ungodliness. God says when you meet your neighbor, when you meet that person, when that guy that you've never met before calls you on the phone, you respect them. Why? Because he created him too. And he created that guy or that lady in his image too. And we want to see them redeemed. Next thing is, when people come against you, conduct yourself in such a way that it's only going to expose the enemy. Do you know God's word well enough that you can get up and speak to share your testimony backed by God's active, living, powerful word so that people can hear the message of salvation. 
Folks, we are literally in a dogfight. And the dogfights are designed to do what? Bring death. There's a winner, and there's a dead person. Not with us. We're in the dogfight. Death is what we're fighting. So what are we bringing? Life. Not just having a good time now, not just for the next 50, 60, 70 years. We're talking about eternal life. A life that surpasses understanding, that gives us hope, that's limitless, that's immeasurable, because it comes from a source who, who himself has no limits. If you don't know Christ today, come talk to us. You simply ask Jesus, just repent and tell him, I agree with you. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Come talk to me. I won't leave until everybody's gone. Maybe the person that you came with and invited you, you need to talk to them. They can tell you. See, this is what we're talking about this morning. This isn't exclusive to a pastor or someone that's up on the stage singing. Every person here that knows Christ can simply walk you through what I just talked about this morning. But for those of us, as this church, this really cool, dynamic, awesome Oak Grove congregation, as brothers and sisters here, we're in the dogfight. Let's just keep getting after it. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much. You are so, so good. And I just hope this morning that your word has gone out, that you have been honored, that the things that have been spoken made sense, and Lord, that people's lives can be transformed. People can come to life from death. That we know, we know, we know that we cannot be shaken. We cannot be taken off the family role once you make us part of your family. That's it. We're locked in. No matter what happens, this life can be full of hurt, but it cannot harm us. It will not take us away from you. So, Father, if there's one here this morning that needs to know that, please let them come and talk. Please let them find someone. Don't let them go home today without talking to someone about knowing Jesus as their Savior. Amen.